0: turneth my way, when souls like sea bills i mm-hmm.
1: It is a privilege to be here with, with all of you tonight. Um, I'm very very excited to be here. Um, if any of you don't know this amazing woman at the piano, her name is Gina and she's extraordinary. Um, during rehearsal, um, we got so emotional only because I love the way that she worships at the piano and she kind of likes the way I sing and so. <laughs> And so tonight is about worshiping God, amen? Amen. We're just going to worship him and just talk about him in this place, talk about his goodness. Um, One of my most favorite songs is this next song, and it's called Washed Away. Um, A lot of people outside of these walls that don't know Christ, they walk around with so much burden and so much strife and so much headache. But us that know Jesus, we know that our sins are washed away, amen? Amen.
2: Every
0: time I left his mercy for a path washed away, washed away by the blood of Jesus. dark and tarnished memory I was desperate
1: Amen. And are we glad, amen, that we know a God that washes away our sins. This next song is, um, I keep saying favorite. I'm going to say favorite again. <laughs> this next song is one of my most favorite songs. Anything that has to do with Jesus is kind of my favorite. So. Um, this song is called Somebody's Praying. Um, as Christians, we may not see each other but we can pray for one another. Amen? I may not pick up the phone and call, but I can pray for you. When good things happen, I believe somebody's been praying. Amen? Um, So here it is.
0: has ever been shown still I went on cause there was someone who was down on their knees and I thank the Lord for people praying all the time for me oh somebody's praying Somebody's praying for me. Mighty hands are in me to protect me from what I can't see. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Somebody's praying for me. for me Mighty hands are guarding me to protect me from what I can't see Lord I believe Lord I believe somebody's praying somebody's praying somebody's
1: I'm gonna take her with me. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> oh man, she's amazing and she makes me sound good and um, she's like all state. I'm in good hands. <laughs> um, it's a privilege again to be here and to sing for all of you. Um, I think it is important to tell, that one tells their testimony. I think it's important to know how someone came to the point where they're at your church singing and preaching the gospel to you. Amen? So my personal testimony starts that I was actually homeless, living in my car. I had a teacher. His name was Kevin Holliburton. He was one of those people, you know, that gets all in your business, you know. <laughs> asked one too many questions and so he realized that I was homeless told me about a school named Panola Junior College and I thought school schmool. who wants to go to school I didn't want to go to school but Panola had this awesome thing called a cafeteria. (laughs) I did not get this way by not eating, amen? (sighs) So I drove down to Panola and I auditioned for Larry Brumley. This was my audition Romeo, oh, Romeo, whereforth art thou, Romeo? And Mr. Brumley said, young man, are you aware that you are reading the wrong part? <laughs> and he still gave me a scholarship to Panola Junior College. I think they were low on enrollment that year. <laughs> well, this is where it gets interesting, because Mr. Brumley is um, probably this tall, and his wife is this tall. <laughs> And they are white people, okay? So Mr. Brumley invited me to move into his house until the dormitories open, And I thought, okay, something's wrong with these little bitty white people (laughs) in Carthage, Texas, because I'm this big and this black. Yes, I was born this way, spontaneous combustion, just... (laughs) Walked out of a pile of clothes. Well, this is where it gets interesting because he introduced me to a man named John King. John King gave me a yard cutting job so that I would have school supplies for when school started. Now, this is the thing. I grew up in the projects, and we don't cut much grass in the projects, okay? So he would say, cut in the square, cut in the square. Well, that same day, he invited me to Central Baptist Church in Carthage, Texas. Now, I thought church smirch. Who wants to go to church? I didn't want to go to church. But if you're not really cutting grass that well, and your boss asked you to go to church, you go to church. Amen. So I went to Central Baptist, and the joke was on me because I was actually adopted by Sunday school class 23 as a project. God bless us and our projects, amen? So, I went from what I thought, um, having no one that cared about me or no one to love me, to having these 20 sets of people in a very, very small town of Carthage, Texas. I was afraid to do anything wrong because they could be in the restroom next to me. This is how small this town is. Well, I think every church has a crazy lady. You can point her out. I'll turn around. It's okay. It's... no. no. To be honest, I think I met her. I know you, you actually have several, I will be honest. So, But anyways, the crazy lady at Central Baptist Church, her name was Lily Marshall. Now, Lily Marshall, she would come up to the dormitories. We would go out to eat. We would have a great time. Well, this is what I asked her. I said one day, hey, are y'all trying to fatten me up because y'all going to kill me later? She was like, no, silly, we are Christians, this is what we do. We are Christians, this is what we do. Um, that was a foreign concept to me, for someone to love you and not expect anything back in return. Just to love you. Amen? We are Christians This is what we do. A Sunday school class of people met me where I was and introduced me to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Um, I joined the the college Sunday school class there, and they gave me a Bible, had my name on it. Really cool. I still have it. Um, And Dr. Bill Everett is the pastor of Central Baptist at the time. and He said, Quran, have you let God talk to you today? and I would say, what is God going to say to me? I don't know what he's going to say. Do I want a hamburger? What is God going to say to me? And he said, in order for God to talk to you, you have to open your Bible and read it. In order for God to talk to you, you have to open your Bible and read it. One more time, in order for God to talk to you, you have to open your Bible. And read it. So, long story short, I started to read about the Gospels of Jesus Christ, to read about this Savior that everyone is talking about. So I'm going to paraphrase, which is mean make a long story short, okay? So I'm going to paraphrase a couple of things in the Bible. This is where it gets serious for me. Jesus is born in a very hectic, very chaotic way. Um, Joseph is upset. An angel has to come to Joseph. Mary and Joseph are on the run. They don't have money for an end. Jesus is born in a manger, yes? King Herod is trying to kill the children in the hopes of killing Jesus. We all know this story, right? If you do not know this story, I encourage you to open your Bible and to read it. Well, this is the thing my dad didn't want me to be born, he wanted my mom to abort me. A lot of fights, a lot of arguments. She did not abort me, and here I am today. Amen? So, you can clap for that. Amen. <laughs> that, is, that is a very, very real thing. Um, so, I'm thinking about Jesus' life, being born out of this kind of crazy way, and my life being born out of this crazy way. Um, Jesus is tempted on the mountaintop with all of the riches of the world and everything that goes along with that. We're tempted every day, Right? Jesus had a friend that died. Jesus wept for his friend. I had a friend that was murdered. I wept for my friend. It dawns on me that this Jesus that everyone is talking about is not behind a veil somewhere. When I pray, my Lord and Savior understands me. Amen? When you pray, our Lord and Savior understands you. I'm not talking about Allah or Buddha. I'm talking about Jesus Christ Amen? Who came here, amen, who came here and died for us, that we may have life more abundant and free. Um, The next Sunday, I walked down the aisle and I gave my life to Christ. Amen? Well, there's another part of that, and that there's this other crazy little lady who's probably about this tall. And she has red hairs. Her name is Joyce Hughes. Joyce Hughes is the organist for the Episcopal Church um, in Carthage, Texas. The president of Panola Junior College is a member of her church and says, hey, there's this kid named Karan. You should get him to do something at the church. And so she said, sure. So here I am walking across campus. Do-do-do-do-do. Do-do-do-do-do. do do dip Hello. Hi. Would you like to sing a song for my church? No. So she goes back to the president. She goes, well, he's not a singer. What do you want him to do? And he says, get him to read a scripture or something. He's a good kid. Here I am. Doo do, 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 Hello. Oh, you're back. Hello. Would you like to learn how to sing a song for my church? No. And then she said these magic words, I'll make you a sandwich. (laughs) And the rest is history, here I am today, God bless her and her sandwiches. No, Um, The first song she taught me was Amazing Grace, that was the first song she taught me and I sang it for her church and well a thousand sandwiches later. She had taught me the Messiah, and she had taught me the 24 Italian Aria book. She and her husband drove me down to Baylor University, where I sang and got a music scholarship. Sick and bears. And and the rest is history. Um, This is the thing. Um, My gift is from God, and it's for his people. Amen? I have been lucky enough to travel the world in following the gift that he has given me. Um, I'm very grateful to be the vessel. On the way to Carthage, Texas, um, I was very suicidal, and I didn't want to live. I had blamed God for everything that happened in my life. I had blamed him for my parents being drug addicts. I had blamed him for me and my sisters being abused as kids. I had blamed him for my current state of homelessness. I blamed God for everything. The devil was in my passenger seat. He said, nobody loves you. Nobody cares for you. Take your hands off the wheel, let the car go over the bridge, and no one will even know that you're down there. To me, that sounded like a great idea. I took my hands off the wheel. The car veers. On the other side of Estes Parkway, I hit a tire. It's kind of like I came to, jerked the wheel, and I made it safely to Carthage, Texas. Yes? Um, This is the thing. When I didn't like God, he still had a plan for my life. Amen? And he has a plan for everyone's life in this room regardless of your age. I'm so, um, I was so overwhelmed Sunday after the pastor's sermon because you know, I I travel a lot and I'm very very grateful for my life. Um, But a lot of times I go places where I don't know anyone and I don't know why I'm here. (laughs) I do know why I'm here and that is because you guys are going out into the community and talking to people. I want you to know that if somebody did not invite me to church, I would not be alive today. Do you understand? I wouldn't have the gift of song that I have more than a voice that gave me a song to sing. Amen? It is incredible That when you invite people to church, don't worry about everything that you know about church. All the ins and the outs. Invite them to church and God will do the rest. Do you understand? I was the first black member to ever join a traditional white church in Carthage, Texas. Now, all of that was over my head. But John King, when he saw me, he saw someone who needed to know Jesus. Amen? And regardless about what he knew about his church, he invited someone to church, me. And I'm forever grateful that I know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm forever grateful, and I will always sing his praises for the rest of my life. John King was 76 at the time that he invited me to church. So it's not late for anyone in this room. Amen? Amen? I used to think everybody with white hair was saved. (laughs) They are not. (laughs) So all of us have a work to do. The young people here... Everyone has a work to do. Now, before you can tell someone about Moses or Ruth or Abraham, you have to tell them about you. We are the living Bible. If there was a Bible written today, would you allow your personal testimony to be in it? If so, you have to tell someone about the goodness of God. He has given you everything you need to open any door and to talk about him. Amen? This next song is um, my most, 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 most favorite song. (laughs) It's um, the greatest mission song I know, and it's called Not Too Far From Here.
0: Somebody's down to their last dime Somebody's running out of time Not too far from here Somebody's got nowhere else to go And somebody needs a little hope not too far from here and I may not know their name but I'm praying just the same that you use me Lord to wipe away a tear cause somebody's crying not too far from here. Somebody's troubled and confused. Somebody's got nothing left to lose. Not too far. From here, somebody's forgotten how to trust, and somebody's dying for love not too far from here. It may be a stranger's face, but I'm praying for your grace. To move in me and take away the fear. Cause somebody's hurting not too far from here. Help me, Lord, not to turn away from pain. Help me not to rest while those around me
2: weep.
0: Give me your strength and compassion. Oh, when somebody finds the road of life to steal. Somebody's troubled and confused. Somebody's got nothing left to lose. Not too far from here. Somebody's forgotten how to trust. And somebody's dying for love. Not too far from here. Now I'm letting down my guard, and I'm opening my heart. Help me speak your love to every needful ear. Cause somebody's waiting not too far from here. Somebody's waving Not to fall
1: once that person right outside these walls I was once that person it is very real to me and I hope that in a world where things are changing and people are dying that you have the courage to tell someone I'm sorry to tell someone about the love of Jesus it is the only thing I will help this world. We are the salt of the earth. We are to preserve this earth from all utter ruin. We are the light of the world. There are people that cannot see if you do not tell them. Not your pastor, not your music minister, not me, if you do not tell them. Maybe you don't stand in front of people like I do, like my friend down here does. But maybe your son needs to know, maybe your mother needs to know, maybe your best friend in high school needs to know, maybe your brother needs to know, maybe a coworker needs to know about the love of Jesus in your life. As you go, this is Gary's favorite song. Where is he? Right here. So I cannot not sing this.
2: Ooh. Mm-hmm.
0: no
1: I just want to say, um, thanks for having me. Um, thanks for believing in me. Um, thank you for believing in me. It's, in, it's important that um, for young ministers like myself and evangelists that proclaim the gospel, that people believe in you. And it's so encouraging when someone invites you and say, you're a good fit for my church and my people. And I'm very, very grateful that um, that God in his infinite wisdom saw that this is, was would be a part of my life. I'm very grateful for my brothers and sisters here and we will see each other forever and we will sing around the throne. I'll have little wings or something. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see that happen.
3: Church, right there. Thank you, Quran. I was, uh, Julie, you're running the PowerPoint. Just shut it off. I've, uh, I've changed directions where we're going. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Have your phone. Got it there. You version is the best version. You can download it right here. You won't be, I promise you won't think you're texting somebody. You version, you can download it. It has all kinds of versions. So um, if you'll scroll or turn, Colossians chapter 1 says, And we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, that we may present every man, Quran, Bill Jones. Every man complete in Christ. Verse 29, striving according, for this purpose also we labor, striving according to His power which mightily works within us. Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Now, here's why why I switched to this passage tonight. Quran, you're talking about people reaching people. These two verses talk about what does it mean to reach out to people. It answers three questions. It it answers the question what, it answers the question who, and it answers the question how. But because of this church's staff's impact on my personal life, this little message just kept welling up in my heart. I was prepared to go a different direction. As a matter of fact, I'll preach that message right now. We men tend to think outside in. You ladies think inside out. I'll call Debbie up, my sweetheart. and say, sweetheart, how'd your day go? And she'll start on this long story. But I don't know where the story's headed, so I don't know whether to be anxious or excited. So I'll go, time out. How does it end? Just tell me how it ends. And what we do in church is we go to church all our lives and we get all these little piece puzzle pieces, but we don't know how it fits together. And so we think this Bible is just, you know, this, this thick book right here. It's so big, so thick, we don't understand it. When it's really... The book is one book, and it goes like this. Here's the whole Bible. I'm going to preach the whole Bible in about 30 seconds. It's 10 words. Five pairs of opposite words. Nothing, something, exiting, entering, united, divided, scattered, gathered, coming, going. So here's the whole Bible right here. God creates the human race out of nothing. He turns the Hebrew race into, that's Genesis 1 through 11, creation, fall, flood, tower, battle, he turns the Hebrew race into something of great size and significance. Then you got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. That's Genesis 12 through 50. I won't keep giving the scripture. And then they exit Egypt. That's Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They enter the promised land. That's Joshua, Judges and Ruth, In the book of Joshua. The the uh, Hebrews conquer the Canaanites physically. Book of Judges, the Canaanites conquer the Hebrews spiritually. And then you get to the united era, they call out for a king, so you have Saul, David, and Solomon, then you have the divided era, the divided era, they, they, Solomon's son raises taxes, there's this big revolt, so they split into the divided kingdom, so how to remember that, three kingdoms, not three kings, the united era, but three kingdoms, Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and and Assyria comes and gobbles Israel up. So now all we have is Judah. Then you have the scattered era. God sends his prophets say, come back to me. They don't listen. So he scatters them to Babylon. Seventy years later, he gathers them back to the promised land, just like he promised through Jeremiah. And then there's four and a half centuries of silence. Then you have two more eras. There's the coming of Christ and the going of the church. So ten words. One story. Now, interestingly, and I'm going to come back to Quran. we tend to think people in the Old Testament, they came to Christ by being good. Romans chapter 4, Paul says, no, no, not by being good. And they say, ah, it was being circumcised. He goes, no, it wasn't by being circumcised. He says, ah, it was keeping the Ten Commandments. No, it wasn't keeping the Ten Commandments. It was putting their faith in Christ. The coming Christ... But the Messiah, just the same. We put our faith in the, in the Messiah who has come. They put their faith in the Messiah who would come. It's always been you receive a right relationship with God through faith in Christ. Now, let me come back to Quran myself, this church staff's impact on my life. Wayne and I were roommates at Georgia Tech. His mom and dad were wonderful, godly people. I grew up in a home that's unchurched, non-Christian, very dysfunctional. If you count my 20 closest relatives, four grandparents, two parents, one sibling, three uncles, three aunts, seven cousins, 15% mental health hospitals, 10% Suicide, count two great-uncles, got two in federal prison, drug addiction, alcoholism. Bottom line, there are only six that were not consumed with LDPs, life-dominating problems. So I come out of this background, I show up at Georgia Tech, and Wayne and two other people, they take an interest in my life, just like the folks at Carthage took an interest in Koran's life. And they began to proclaim him. Jesus to me and on March 24th 1974 my first year at Georgia Tech I got down on my knees and I said Lord Jesus would you come into my heart would you forgive me of all my disobedience and would you make me the person you created me to become and he was faithful to answer that prayer it was that point, just two or three days after that, Wayne and I became roommates. Now, I shouldn't say Wayne. Um, Do you go by the high reverend doctor here, or? You do? Just Wayne? And so I'd watch Wayne spend time alone with God. And I'd watch his heart for ministry. He was involved with young life. And watch how his family, they treated each other. But you know, there are only three major decisions you have to make in life, and the rest kind of fall into place. Your master, your mate, and your mission in life. And he introduced me to my master. He pointed out Jesus to me. Speaking of the second one, your mate, my sweetheart here, Debbie, Bill Hughes, pointed her out to me I met Bill before I no, I met Wayne before I met Bill, one year before Bill taught me how to share my faith, we proclaim him Bill pointed out Deb, we were at Ridgecrest and he said you see that lady going there that's the godliest woman I've ever met, now Dana it was before he met you so so I, you know I'm I want to I want to spend time with a godly girl because I, I don't, you know, I'm just a brand new Christian. So she and her, Debbie and her boyfriend were walking hand in hand <laughs> in between the meetings and I would go running back and forth in front of them trying to get her to look at me. Never looked at me. Never met her. Ended up by God's, Providence. A month later, I became a member on staff at her church, roommates with her boyfriend. I was telling Catherine, Wayne and Susan's daughter, um, and Ms. Allman before the service, when I was turning off lights in the education building, I heard this lady crying. And I went down to check on it, and I looked inside one of the Sunday school rooms, and Debbie was going from seat to seat praying for her 10th grade Sunday school girls. And I was back leaning against the wall praying, Bored, she is the godliest woman I've ever met. I want to date her. Would you take care of Mac? So I went back and told my roommate I was having women problems. And he said, Oh, you are. I said, Yeah, I want to date your woman. He said, for two weeks, every time I've spent time alone with God praying for Deb, I've been strongly impressed I was supposed to stop dating her. I said, well, you need to obey God. <laughs> All right, let me, we got several messages going up here. We've preached the one on the Bible. Let me preach this one about three M's. Your master, your mate, and your mission in life. Wayne, one night he came back and he said, Bill, I've been praying several weeks now. I'm quitting Georgia Tech and going to Sanford. I was crushed. Because it was was Jesus here and Wayne was just, I mean, it was a close second. You understand? I mean, he was very kind saying we challenged each other's it was, that was, I don't want to say it was a lie, but it just wasn't the truth. I mean, pastors don't lie, especially in the pulpit, but uh, they exaggerate tiny bits from time to time. And Because and, and I'm brand new, and he led me to Christ. I'm just following his coattails. Whatever he would do, I would do. Because, I mean, he's, that's, that's what a believer, a follower of Christ does. I'm going to do that, because I want to be as passionate a follower of Christ as I possibly can be. He said, I'm going to a different school because I want to go into the ministry." well, I was, I was hurt because I loved him so much and I'd be missing him. But a different emotion welled up inside of me. It was jealousy. I began to think, Lord, I, I want to do full-time ministry. Would you let me do that? And I was thinking of my past and my situation, my family and and... And my dad surely didn't want me to do that. And so it was during the summer, and I'd go up in the woods behind our house, and I'd chop wood and pray. And I knew if I went to the ministry, my dad would reject me. And that's what happened. For two years, he had nothing to do with me. Good news is, 23 years to the day, I came to Christ March 24, 1974, I shared the gospel with my father. My father prayed to receive Christ. March 24th, 1997. 23 years to the day. We proclaim him. Admonishing every man. Speaking of every man. The influence they were having in my life. This started in September, 73. So September, October, November, December, January, February, March. For seven months, this... This welled up within me stronger and stronger, wanting this, whatever they had, I wanted it. I didn't realize that the it was a him, was a he. Well, my mother goes in the hospital, and she calls me up. She says, will you come to the hospital? I have an important question to ask you. I want you to watch this, please. I get to the hospital room. She says, I'm about to have some major surgery. If I die, if I do not make it through surgery, how do I know if I'm going to go to heaven or hell? I don't have a clue why she's asking me, other than perhaps being the first one in a few generations to go to college, thinking since I'm in college, I must know everything. I said, I don't know, but let me go back to school. I have in my drawer this little yellow booklet. They actually have a whole bunch of them, Mom, that they keep reading to me. If you remember the four spiritual laws. Now, my mom's not a believer. I go back to my room, get my little booklet. I come to the hospital bed, and I said, Mom, it says here that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. He does? Yes, ma'am. But you're a sinner and you're separated from God. I know that. It says here that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive you of your disobedience. Really? Yes, ma'am. It says here it's not enough to know this, but you must invite him to come into your life to forgive you of your sins and to give you the free gift of eternal life. How do I invite him in? I haven't read that far. Let me turn the page. Turn the page. It says, Mom, you need to pray this prayer. What prayer, dear God? She repeated after me, "Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me." My mom prayed to receive Christ. Now, my mom died of brain cancer. Now, talking about every man here. Now, okay, we proclaim Him, Jesus, to every man. That's the who. When my mom came down with brain cancer, she realized that if the most important thing that ever happened to her was coming to Christ, the most important thing she could ever do for anybody else would be leading them to Christ. So she led her 72-year-old sister to Christ. And she went down so quickly, it was 95 days from the diagnosis to her demise. So three months, she's gone. She got so weak, she called my father, who's a brand new Christian... And me, into her room, she says, I'm too weak to continue telling the family about Jesus. I want you two to lead the rest of the family to Christ. My dad goes, okay. So he goes to my world-famous nuclear physicist uncle, who's also dying of cancer. And he says, now my dad graduated from the 11th grade and he's weeks old in the Lord. My uncle was a lifelong atheist and a nuclear physicist. Eleventh grade, nuclear physicist. My dad says, Richard, you're just stupid if you don't believe in God. Went back, called me and said, son, you think that'll get him? I said, no, sir, you, you need to be a little more subtle. So he's coming around 285 in Atlanta, taking my uncle to chemotherapy. And as he's coming around the curve there on the north side of town, he goes, you know, as brother-in-laws, we're going to be buried beside one another. Yeah, I know that. From the looks of things, they're going to bury you first. (laughs) That's subtlety right there. That's the epitome of subtlety he says, and when you're dead and buried, but while the grave's still open, I've already bought a sheet of tin I'm going to put in the grave, separating your grave from my grave. My brilliant uncle goes, what are you talking about? My dad said, because when you die, you're going to hell, and it's hot there. And this tin's is going to be my heat shield from where you're going. <laughs> he called me up and said, you think that'll get him, son? He said, Dad, I'm going to come home. I'm going to help you. At this point, my uncle was in the hospital. He grabbed my arm. He said, would you pray for me? Said, That's a strange request coming from an atheist. But I'll pray for you. I shared the gospel with you. The gospel is the good news. That's all it means. It's the good news about a person. Acts, I mean uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news about Jesus Christ. We proclaim him and he alone. He came back a week later. My uncle's at home at this point. He's about to die. He says, please pray for me again. I said, I'll pray for you, but what have you been thinking lately? He says, since we've talked last time, I've come to believe that God has a son. His name's Jesus Christ. And he sent him to earth, he died on a cross, and he rose from the dead. Please pray for me. I said, I'll pray for you, but as soon as I pray for you and finish, I want you to pray to God just what you told me. I prayed these words Dear. Father, God. And my uncle screamed out, Oh, God, would you save a sinner such as I? And he came to Christ. He wailed for 45 minutes. My father came in. My father was weeping. I was weeping. And when he finished crying, he says, Would you lead my children to Christ? Because I told them all their lives there is no God. One of the cousins came to Christ. The other one didn't. We proclaim Him to every man. But you know what's interesting is we're striving according to His power which mightily works within us. What does that mean? We need to be obedient. We need to step out in faith as much as our faith will allow us. But understand, there's someone much bigger that's involved in this whole process... Because he, the Lord, has the Quran's on his heart. He has the Bill Joneses on his heart. It's just some people in a church in Carthage reached out to Quran. It's it's a young student, Wayne Rowe, who reached out to a Bill Jones. But it wasn't just the persons doing the reaching. It's the Father God reaching down through the Holy Spirit and doing the changing, something far beyond. Now, understand, when I went to my mom and shared the gospel with her, listen to this, I wasn't a Christian yet. I led somebody to Christ, and I'm not even a believer. She prayed to receive Christ. These reaching out to me, I see the change in her life, so just a few weeks later, I pray to receive Christ. So it's not the the person that does the changing. We do the proclamation, we do the sharing, but it's God through the Holy Spirit who does the changing. After they led me to Christ and after Wayne deserted me, (laughs) I finally met another friend, John Cipola. You didn't meet him. It's 1976. He and I were invited to go with a small group representing Georgia Tech to the Soviet Union. I'd seen sleeping in the library every night, every Monday night before we went to our training time, because they had to train us because it was communist. We had to understand the cultural nuances there. And one night we're eating at Zestos on East Ponce De Leon. And he said, you talk about God all the time. "Mm Mm-hmm. I love God. He looked out through the windshield. I'll never forget this. He says, you know, having a relationship with God is the hardest thing I've ever tried to do. I said, after our meeting tonight, come back to my room. That night at 2 o'clock in the morning, he prayed to receive Christ. We'd go on our trip, and one night, Saturday night, I said, we hadn't been to church in weeks, and, and understand, I'm, I'm a brand-new Christian, come from an interesting past. I said, let's sneak out in the morning and go to church. Now, young people are listening. I was sneaking out to go to church, Okay. <laughs> We end up at church, it was Central Baptist Church where Billy Graham had preached. The whole church is packed out. They're sitting in the windowsills. They're standing in the aisles. When the pastor would say, turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 27, 28, 29, the babushkas, the grandmothers would reach in their purses and pull out strips of paper and see if they had that verse written down on a piece of paper. They didn't scroll in in their iPhones. We met a 31-year-old atheist named Eugene Grossman. It was his fourth time to church. He spoke fluent English. We obviously gravitated to one another because everybody in the entire place, except for the three of us, had white hair, because the communism was trying to crush Christianity by discouraging the young people because of all the restrictions. If they were Christians, they couldn't get an education, et etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Eugene did not pray to receive Christ that night, but four months later, we're back in the States, we start getting a series of letters. Dear Bill and John, two miracles took place after you left. Two weeks after you left, I repented. That's what they say in Eastern Europe and the former Soviet Union about praying to receive Christ. He said, secondly, because I'm of Jewish descent, Grossman, he was Jewish-German who immigrated uh, his family during the, the Nazism of Hitler, under Hitler, I've got an exit visa, and I'm writing from Rome. I'm coming to the United States. He got to the United States. The Slavic Gospel Association picked him up, educated him in communications. In the 1980s, he had three evangelistic radio broadcasts beamed from Western Europe into Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union. Peter Dyneka said they had 5 to 15 million people hearing the gospel through Eugene's radio broadcast every week. You know, I was in Eastern Europe three or four years ago telling the story. When I finished through the translator, it was a, in Kishino, Moldova. The translator, who was the dean of that Bible college, he kept talking. And if you've ever preached overseas and your translator goes on and on and on and on and on, you've messed up. And I'm standing there, you try to think, where did I go wrong on this? Finally, he turned to me, he says, in the 1980s, I was a Soviet soldier. And every night on my cot, I had a radio, and I'd listen to, it, to the radio under my pillow so I wouldn't get in trouble. And I'd listen to Eugene Grosman talk about Jesus. And one night, I got off my cot and slipped down on the ground, and I repented. I trusted Christ to make me right with God. And then he pointed out all of his 200 students. He says, I'm training them now to go to the ends of the former Soviet Union. He later became the president of St. Petersburg Bible College in Russia. Now, Now watch this for a second. Wayne shares the gospel with me. I share the gospel with a young man named John Cipolla. He shares the gospel with Eugene Grossman, who over the radio shares the gospel with this Soviet soldier named Theodore, who's impacted no telling how many people. As good as he is, and he's really good, you can't have that kind of impact in your own power. We proclaim Jesus. That's the what. That's what evangelism is. It's, it's proclaiming a personal relationship with Christ. The who, that's everybody. But the how is in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's really powerful. So, Quran. thank you tonight. And Carthage Baptist Church, thank you as well for reaching out to you because you wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. And Wayne, thank you for reaching out to me. And thank you for leaving because if you hadn't, I wouldn't have had that jealousy, you know, that, that desire to do what you do. And Bill, thank you for introducing my sweetheart. Today's our anniversary. Uh-huh. We've been married 34 years, six months, and two days today. <laughs> you count something when it's either really, really bad or it's really, really good. And she's really, really good. Choir, would you come up, please? We're going to have them sing. Just one one verse. And I'm going to give an invitation. It's going to be twofold. Here's, here's the first question. First question is, If you've never humbled yourself before God and said, God, I've really blown it. And I need your forgiveness. I want you to come and talk to the pastor or one of the staff. But but here's the second invitation. We have no idea at all what God will do when we share the message of Jesus Christ. I'm living proof. Quran's living proof. You just don't know what God will do. Share with your mother or a family member and see the, the gospel of Jesus Christ change various family members in my little dysfunctional family. That's exciting. Your family may need changing. Or share Christ with your friends and see the domino effect through the power of the Holy Spirit as friend after friend after friend starts coming to Christ. If if while we've been sharing the Scripture and there's somebody on your heart, your family, your workplace, I want you to come up here and just kneel before the altar and say, God, Would you please, in your providence, in the power of the Holy Spirit, as I proclaim the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, as best as I know how. Remember, I was a non-Christian. The messengers aren't the issue. The message is the issue, and the message is Jesus. We proclaim him. So, two invitations. Is there a Quran in your future? Is there a bill in your future? They just need someone to reach out to them. Students. Oh, my. You can lead all kinds of people to Christ. So if you need to know Jesus or someone you know needs to know Jesus, pastor, if you'll receive them, Father God, we come to you right now. Would you have your way in our lives? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together. Let us pray. Lord, you have filled us up tonight. Thank you, and we praise you, and we worship you. What a mighty God you are. Bless this group of your children together here tonight. Just send them out to do your word. Let us use the offering to receive tonight to further your kingdom's work. For Christ's sake, amen.
0: From King Pharaoh. <laughs>